Welcome to Essential Awakening Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to this new series, Black Women's Stories Matter. My name is Pia Antico, Relationships Reset Mentor and founder of Essential Awakening Mentoring. The inspiration and purpose for this pod series is to address global relationship problems of fear-based racism. One of the best ways to combat fear-based hate is to provide opportunities for understanding. So I have invited a bunch of fabulous black women from around the world to share their stories of trials and triumphs and everything in between. Today I have with me Cordelia Gaffer, the powerhouse global best podcast host of 2019 in the UK and ACHL Magazine Volunteer of the Year and finalist for Top Influencer and Orator of the Year. She is best-selling co-author of America's Leading Ladies Who Positively Impact the World. And in 2020, she has become bestseller again for One Habit for Success Smart Femme Edition by Lee Woodford. Cordelia has been selected Ambassador of Peace by INSPAD and Director for USA Chapter. Cordelia is the Emotions Opener Transformation Strategist, guiding women leaders to use their darkest and most difficult emotions to show up powerfully. Welcome, Cordelia. Thank you, Pia. I'm so excited to be here. Wow, that that sounds like I've really accomplished a lot of cool stuff. <laughs> is, I was going to say, I, I, I'm like, wow, that is like so absolutely cool. Um, and so I, I would love you to pull apart some of that. What's in, did I say that correctly? Inspad. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And, and what is that? And, and peace ambassador. That sounds fabulous. What's all that about? Yeah. So Inspad is um, actually an organization that has two offices. One is in Pakistan and one is in Belgium. Mm-hmm. And uh, their main focus is to have a peace ambassador in each country, you know, to basically do what we're trying to do <laughs> accomplish in this episode and that's just be bring peace um, and harmony to every country because if the the actual politicians could do it then we wouldn't have to have normal human beings on the ground trying to make it happen <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> so yeah the idea there is that it begins in each neighborhood and, uh, you know, while obviously we can't possibly have um, a peace ambassador in every neighborhood, but, you know, just trying to uh, to do what we can country by country. So, yeah. That's fabulous. Can you, what is one of the sort of the strategies or the main strategies that you're, you're using in, in neighborhoods to bring about um, peace and community harmony? So, so far, I'm still, you know, this is a very new selection, so I'm still trying to gather my forces here, but I'm doing that by <laughs> going into different neighborhoods like I did today. Um, a friend of mine um, is on the board of a church, and she was trying to, you know, make them aware of Black Lives Matter. Her church is, you know, it's unusual get this for a u.s church it is very diverse most churches are either majority black or majority white 
right? Oh, or majority my. Spanish <laughs> or majority whatever they are, right? Yeah. But her church is dynamic in that it's pretty, you know, you get you have a lot of, it, it, just for example, the protest, we were a small group of maybe up to 40 or 50 people. Wow. And we would be like a third black, a third Spanish and a third white. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, just you know, being part of that, and then the other part of what I'm doing, because you know, we're just kind of still in lockdown. I attend a lot of online meetings also for people around the country, and that are all about creating bridges. So you know, so I've been doing that as well, and so that's <laughs> what I'm doing. <laughs> Busy lockdown for you. Wow. Yes. <laughs> And so I guess uh, knowing what you, you do, which is inspiring women leaders to overcome their, their trials and their dark, um, dark times and dark emotions and using that to propel themselves forward and make an impact in the world. I guess then the start is what got you into that? What, were, what was your life like leading up to this moment? Yeah, so, you know, if I have to think about it, I. When I first started my business, I thought I was a holistic wellness coach, right? But yep. as I started working with women, it became quite clear that their emotions were preventing them from much. Yes. So even if I look at my own story, right? So after I had my second child, I had postpartum depression, which instead of taking antidepressants like my doctor wanted me to, I chose to research about nutrition and you know uh things to keep me present in the moment yeah and fitness and mindfulness and you know spirituality and all those things and so actually that was where my journey began i was at a really low emotional point right <laughs> and um so um through the years people would tell me they're just like oh you're just fabulous you just you know i remember when you were not feeling really well and you know and you're just doing so you know well with these kids and you're always so happy and you know then i had my third kid and my fourth kid and my fifth kid and there you know i would get things like oh you know um how do you lose weight so quick or oh you know how do you get your kids to you know eat vegetables or how do you get your you know kids to um help you with stuff and i would just start rattling it off and they're just like oh no you need to put that in a book oh i don't have time to write a book right <laughs> and oh you need you should coach moms oh you should do workshops oh you should do seminars for 13 years i was just like no i can't do that no i can't do that right so i was naysaying myself yeah and so until one day i had my sixth child and then i was like oh glah, glah, glah. i can do all <laughs> things <laughs> Oh, wow. And and for those, because it's a podcast and you can't see what I can see, uh, you don't look even, you don't even, I mean, six kids, You Cordelia looks so fabulous that she doesn't even look like she'd even have one child. She looks so well rested. So believe me, if if anyone can look that good with six kids and a, and a busy career as well, uh, you've got something that you're doing right. <laughs> really fabulous oh that absolutely wonderful so i mean what would you i mean obviously there's no silver bullet there's no real one thing but if you could name maybe the top three things that have really worked for you that you were finding are working for other women um to, to juggle everything 
and be as fabulous as you are at the end of it. What would that be? Yeah, you know, like I was just saying, it's really that simple. Just stay super present in the moment. And the way to do that um, for me is to, you know, just go back to that one thing that always um, made your heart sing. And so about 10 years ago, the part that I skipped was I, I started blogging um, because, you know, I was capturing in my journal my daily achievements or hourly achievements to remind me how great I am. But then I was like, when I was pregnant with my fifth child, I said, okay, well, let me really capture this and be accountable publicly on the, on the ways that um, I am making things happen. And my, my mission statement on my blog was to raise um, children who will be positive contributions to humanity to the best of my ability as a Muslim mom, right? Yeah, love it. So that was um, my only goal. And um, in doing that every day, right after you know morning prayer, yeah. I would write an article and it usually would be based on what I had been reading or re researching that week yeah. um, or the day before, you know, about mindfulness or something new that I discovered that worked for the kids to get along or <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, or something like this. So whatever that thing is for you, just, you know, if you liked painting and you stopped painting, give yourself 10 minutes a day and set up a spot and paint, paint. you know? Yeah. And yeah. that just makes the world not so horrible and big and bad anymore. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is amazing how when we, we just can get so busy, caught up in the in the daily grind of things that we, we lose sight of, often they might be small, but significantly, you know, important, um, joyful activities. I caught myself one day realizing, and it is back, caught myself one day realizing that I probably hadn't smiled all day. Wow. I know. Now, at that time, I was in an abusive marriage and, and, and had um, come, I was run over at, at 100 kilometers an hour. So I had just come out of being in a coma and back into an abusive marriage, completely disoriented and having seizures and they weren't being controlled. So things were really very low at that point. And yeah, it, it hit me that, that, that I, I realized that I had not actually smiled that whole day. And that turned, it, that turned everything around, just that one, realization that this is it this is life if you don't grab onto it and and imbue joy in it you know in a mindful way um then yeah it's, it's like she said a, a very dark experience so um can you tell me a little bit about your childhood the the what your childhood your family your heritage what were the main influences again that's mm -hmm. has has led you to be the amazing woman that you are? Wow, that's a deep question. No one ever asked me that. <laughs> yeah, like for real, no one ever asked me that. So, wow. um, I, let me see. So, hmm, you know, we, I guess that one of the things that really changed my life was we lived in 
a small town in Wisconsin and my dad was like the judge. We were the black family, but like, I didn't even know that. Okay, <laughs> wow. Literally did not know that. I found out years later that was the case. Um, everybody else was white. Apparently there was also a Mexican and a Chinese family, which again, like I didn't know that. But what I found out was when I was like five, almost going on six, we moved to Atlanta. And the whole purpose was, you know, I have two older sisters, there's quite a gap between us. And they were just really uh, worried because they had grown up in Chicago, right? So that's where I was born, but you know, to have the black experience. (laughs) So, um, you know, it was like a family decision. And and then also, you know, to be fair, that wasn't the only reason. My mom also was ill and the cold weather was hard for her. So we wanted to go somewhere warm. So we settled upon Atlanta and there I experienced racism for the first time, but not from white people. Oh. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, you know, as far as my heritage goes, there's a lot of like my my mom's mother is half Cherokee and her mother is mixed race, right? Yeah. And then my father's side, there's a, a lot of mixed race too. Yeah. So when the way it comes out in the gene pool is my sister, who's three years older than me, actually had red hair, blue eyes and fair skin. Wow. Wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) So this was the first time I ever found out when I went to Atlanta to start making friends in our neighborhood by black kids that we couldn't be sisters because she's white and I'm black. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So that was a defining moment. And so then, you know, um, that's when, you know, we, you know, and I was just talking to them and I was like, oh, no, no, no. We have the same mom and dad and da, 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 da. it was just really a thing, but you, you can't really explain that to kids. No. So I went, you know, me and my sister ran in the house. We were in tears. My parents explained it to us. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I remember my dad being really upset about it because he was like, wow, <laughs> we come here yeah. for them to, you know, anyway. So over the years, you know, again, I kind of, and then it even gets better so then there's a placement of colorism right so um if you're light you're right if you're brown stick around if you're black stay back so i was just on the border of being brown enough that i was okay all right okay like i was i was more brown than i was black so i was okay but i still wasn't like okay enough to be popular so um and accepted um anyway as time went on right i um grew up and the the best thing that happened in my childhood was um i'd have to say the world turning upside down and all the uh places all the immigrants coming to atlanta to seek asylum so all of a sudden i had a bunch of friends in ninth grade from ethiopia india uh nicaragua Colombia, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, like Afghanistan and, you know, Somalia, all the places. And I was like, oh, wow, look at all these people, yeah. right? Because they didn't care. And so I made that my focus is just befriending, you know, people who were new to the country 
yeah. and and just learning about all the different cultures and stuff and also by then I had immersed myself in learning French and I was dead set upon being very fluent and when I graduated from high school moving to France yes. because I also knew about Josephine Baker and um, what's his name James Baldwin and Eartha Kitt and all those ones all the blacks who had made an exodus for France and they were wholly accepted there I was like yeah. problem solved I have a plan <laughs> so um, yeah and so as that turned out I actually wasn't allowed to go to university in France because that's not appropriate for a young lady to live in Paris by herself but I did get to go to University of Vermont and and this was another exodus so like uh, yeah. in that particular year um, Essence magazine had said that you know, that Vermont was the widest state in the United States and so they were trying to get black people to be there okay. so much so that yeah. if you were smart enough like you all you had to do was have like minimum of a 3.0 they gave you a full scholarship to their state university Wow Wow yeah so I had above a 3.0 yes. but I got a full academic scholarship to University of Vermont oh, and again it was great because although there were a bunch of white people that had never seen black people in their lives and you get those questions like can I touch your hair and do you turn white in the summer and those kind of weird questions it was still like so much more refreshing you know than <laughs> wow yeah and this is yeah look this is really a very um this is interesting and and illuminating uh experience because I guess yeah we, we, we don't normally we in the non-black community do not normally hear of of this kind of struggle within your own community naturally because well you know um, these are the kinds of inside stories so <laughs> what do you think is in some ways the, sol the solution then do you feel that the experience within the black community as for you at least to to experiencing um, interactions with outside of the community um, do you see that there is um, some parallel do you do you feel that I mean I'm hearing you saying you had more struggle within your own community uh, were there solutions to that that had, has made it now easier? Do you see an improvement in that experience? I mean, now I've, I've moved a lot, right? So yeah. now I've been living in the DC area for most of my adulthood, where I actually did experience proper racism with white people. <laughs> okay, um, yeah. So so leaving Vermont was illuminating in itself. It was like coming here, I was like, oh, DC, it shouldn't be so bad because I had been to New York, but I, I didn't decide to settle there. Yeah. But here, yeah, I have like actually um, but anyway, to answer your question, this is why, with all my experiences combined, I've come up with the battle starts within. Whatever inner work you do, if you don't love yourself, you're not going to love anybody else, whether or not you're black, white, stripe, or polka dot. And that's where I stand. Yes. That, that, that's, you know, that's why I'm about love, peace, and um, starting with self-compassion. You know self-forgiveness self-belief if you've got that going on then you can radiate anything that you want to create in your world yeah you know and um, 
that I, I can't, there, there's no other solution. There just isn't. Yeah. Um, for all the conversations that I've had lately and all the different circles where we're trying to, you know, make it better. Yeah. One concept that I've been talking about a lot is, you know, in personal development, we talk about abundance thinking. So basically all the things I just said, right? The, doing the inner work is having abundance of love and peace and harmony within your person, right? Yes. So what would solve this on a political level is if we revamp the economy to be an abundance economy because that right now, like capitalism is rampant. Like it's everywhere and yep. it's based on scarcity 100%. Yep. There's enough for 1% of the world <laughs> and everybody else, you're going to just be like crabs in a barrel. Yep. So I think if we flip that on its head, right? Yep. And um, we recognize that the world is actually an abundant place, yep. um, then we will, you know, get along a lot better and i know it sounds so contrite but i mean it's really that's now undoing all the things that are out there that's, that's issue gonna, yeah yeah that's gonna be yeah. a little bit complicated no, it, 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 exactly some of it might be voting i think a lot of it is actually choosing where you put your money um being more mindful in your consumption probably um and then yeah getting together as you said in 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 community levels uh to support each other in our personal development because yeah it's crazy it is really it's a crazy system and it's not contrite at all to to suggest that if we get on top of the economy uh the global economy uh to, that that will find people are freer to actually look within and create joy in their lives and the lives of others because if everyone's sort of fighting to have a little bit well you, you're not in the right headspace you know yeah it's impossible it's they they call it cognitive dissidence and i was really yeah. thinking about this a lot i guess a couple of years ago i went to um a retreat it was like my first retreat ever um and i just like was seriously on vacation and i was like you know i'm not actually worried about anything yeah and i was like so why do i worry when I'm home and you know and it wasn't like my you know my, my kids had given me this long list of stuff they wanted me to buy <laughs> and it was like mm, okay well I can't really buy all the things but I bet if I buy each one of them one thing they'll be happy yes and what I found striking was if I had been home and I had been at the mall I would have been stressing out with that thought I would have been oh. like, oh my God, I've, but no, I've got to get this. And, it, and you know, it has to be like that. Yes. And I've only got this amount of money. But there, I was just like, they'll be happy. And I got them like trinkets, pretty yeah. much, yeah. you know? Yeah. Just like something that I know that would matter to them. You yeah. understand, like mindset completely different. Absolutely. And each gift was perfect, you know? And it was, I didn't feel the inner push or strife to like have to i don't know like i mean it's not like you're proving anything to your kids but it, i mean it, it is it was completely yeah. a different yeah. kind of push pull in my you know in my own yeah. Yeah. uh like 
life, like where I actually live. But to be there, I was like in a completely different space. But then on the heels of that, when I was coming down from the high, because you know what I'm talking about yeah. when you went on your retreat recently. Yes, yes. When you're coming down from the high, that cognitive <laughs> yeah. dissidence is like a bitch, you know? Oops, excuse yep. my French. But no, it's no, like, French oh, away. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really French, but you no. know. <laughs> People, it's not French. <laughs> Oh, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, okay, what's happening right now? I just yeah. like, um, I live like this. I think like this. I really feel that, you know, I have all this love in my heart, but I almost feel like I'm also being strangled with it. Like, yeah. how dare you have that love in your heart, you know? Yes. And, and you can't, and so this is the problem. So then I was like, okay. So how do we solve that problem? And it's like, you cannot live in a world of scarcity. No. And, and then, you know, um, tell people to think abundantly. And then I got to thinking, huh, so all these, you know, coaches that are just like, let's help you, you know, you're, you have a scarcity mindset and, and playing on that heart space and mind space scenario they're out of integrity if they're really meaning to do what it is that they're meaning to do. And then I thought, I turned that back inside. I was like, oh my God, am I one of them? Am I out of integrity? Hmm. And I was like, no, because like I'm struggling to try to have my outside world be the same as my inside world. Yeah. And so yeah. this is, um, you know, how little by little, you know, I, I, it finally occurred to me last summer that the name of my podcast which mm. had been replenished me for all these years which that i'll give you that story in a minute yeah, please <laughs> um it should be the name of the program because that's my coping mechanism i'm all about replenishing my energy my mindset my heart set and that's really what women need that's really what people need yeah. and you know how can i organize that so it can be accessible so you know, as far as my podcast goes, I was, you know, I was in the scarcity mindset, for example. Yeah. In the beginning, I had like a consistent 10 listeners. And then it went up to like 50 listeners after three months and then a hundred after a year. And I was like, oh, that's all it's ever going to be, you know? And at that point, I was like, you know what? This is just about me. I'm going to have these conversations and keep this podcast because I need to have the conversations. Yeah. And whoever else wants to enjoy the conversations with me, then, you know, good for them, right? Yep. So kind of like what Eartha Kitt used to say, she'd be like, you know, I'm in love with me and whoever yep. wants to love me with me, That's great. you're welcome. <laughs> but if you don't want to be in love with me with me, then hit the door, you know? Yep. Um, so, and an amazing thing happened after that. All yep. of a sudden, I didn't care how many listens or downloads I had. Yep. And I didn't pay attention to who was listening, the demographics or any of that. Yeah. And then I got notified also last summer. <laughs> it's funny how it all came, the, came together. It's like the yeah. whole like world opened up last summer. And I got this uh, email, you know, you've been selected for an award, you're, you know, and we'd like you to come to London to receive it. And I was like, what's the award? You'll find out when you get here. And I'm like, 
Okay. Okay. <laughs> so I was like, oh, you know, I've been meeting people online over the years. Let me just make a trip of it and see who else I can, you know, line up while I'm in town. Anyway, so I get there and I'm just like, oh my God. And I was, of course, like number 13. There was 18 awards given out at that ceremony. Yes. <laughs> I was like sitting there and sitting there. I was like, what is this award? And, you know, I said, then when she called me and I was like, podcast host of the year. I was like, really? Oh, wow. my goodness. Yeah. And that came from my abundance thinking, you know? Yeah. And, and that's really that's why I, I see that as the fix right yeah. all the even last year i was part of uh, all ladies league and i was helping to you know organize our first conference in the u.s which ended up not happening right we rescheduled it to this year and then locked down so it's 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 something that will happens eventually eventually it will happen but anyway so like i had worked really hard on this thing and then when it was rescheduled, you know, I was just like really grasping for straws. I'm like, no, we can't reschedule it. You know, I was like the only one on the committee that was fighting for it. Even the chairperson was like, no, I think it might be in our best. And I was like, okay, when the chairman says that, then just give it up, right? Yeah, yeah. So when I also got volunteer of the war, uh, 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 of the year, I was like, okay. Who gets even volunteering? <laughs> I, I wanted to ask, volunteering for, for, I wanted you to expand on that, for what? How did you get that? Who gave it to you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I believe it was her. I don't yeah. know, because they don't tell you, right. but I believe it was her <laughs> who nominated me. I like seriously don't know, but I'm thinking that's the only thing I was working really hard in a volunteer capacity on last yeah. year. Yeah. So, um, and that was, you know, quite amazing for me so to get two awards back to back and then you know be nominated for the other awards and even be in the running you know yeah. Yeah. that was just like really fantastic but I noticed something right yeah. that just by really diving and meeting my darkest emotions mm. that and leaning into it is a lot of times like we feel really really bad and we avoid it, right? We self-medicate, yes. annoy, uh, uh, ignore, and all those things, right? Yeah. But I've always leaned into it. You know, with the postpartum depression, I was like, okay, why am I feeling this way in this moment? And I would try to capture it, you know, because yes. it was just default for me to journal. And I was like, hmm, but is that even true? Does that even make sense? Yeah. Mm, it doesn't really well, what could I do to make myself feel better in this moment like I was really just pulling it apart yeah and st instead of like I've got to you know I've got to put on my big girl panties and I've got to yes. do this and because yes. like I had a toddler and a newborn like no don't no. put on your big girl panties no. just like feel and be open and just you know see what comes up and yeah. that's been my pattern always. Yeah. You know, every single time I had a real, real low, it was just like, okay, what does this really mean? Mm -hmm. And just being really super curious about it. So even bringing it up to date, 
Yeah. When this thing with uh, George Floyd came up in May, yeah, I usually, like, I get really mad. Yeah. You know, every time I hear about a black person being killed. Yeah. I mean, Ahmaud Mabry, it had happened a week, a couple of weeks before. And I was like, for real? Because that happened in Georgia, you know. I used to live in Georgia. Yeah, yeah, and I was yes. like, I cannot believe they hunted that man down like a dog. And then like two weeks later, George Floyd, I was like, livid. Yeah. I was like, I'm livid. Like, I haven't been this angry about something in a long time. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I got to do something. I don't even know what to do. And I had joined, um, uh, like, you know, a lot of these online stuff I've been doing. So there's this yeah. Humans First community that I'm part of. And, like, I, I was invited by a white person. And I was like, oh, you know, people talk in a good game, but are they just windbags? Most of the people in here are white. But they thought they were being very diverse. And I thought yeah. it was funny, yeah. right? Because yeah. I could probably count the people who were not white on my both hands. Yeah. To me, that's not diversity. <laughs> yeah. When we're, you're in a room of like 60, 70 people and 10 people are not white, I'm not saying that they were all black, they're just not white. You understand what I'm saying? I get so, what you get, yeah. I'm like, that's not diversity, but they were like so proud of themselves. I was like, these freaking one bags. Anyway, um, <laughs> I don't judge much. <laughs> no, no, no. But, but yeah. I mean, like these, these are things that, um, you know, we, we need to hear this. We need to s s understand that because maybe from their perspective, they were happy to have achieved even that much but uh and not seeing maybe the way that they set things up uh could be done differently so that they there is uh a, 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 a majority of other voices than their own yeah i mean i'm not knocking the community at all like i said i'm new to them and i'm getting to yeah. know them still yeah um but there is um you know, so I'm just telling you why I'm, I'm mentioning them. Recently, with the um, there was an article posted on LinkedIn about defunding police. Yes. Because you should see the police as human beings, right? And so, you know, I was like, okay, but I didn't read the article. First of all, I just want to say that I, okay. I still haven't read the article. Okay. And I was like, you know, I. I'm gonna have to get myself in a certain place before I can read that article, okay? <laughs> However, one of the first comments was from the founder of the Humans First community. And he was like, you know, I don't think we should de defund the police because, you know, there was something that happened in my town this weekend, it was a horrible thing. And if it wasn't for the police, then, you know, it wouldn't have been resolved. And so as a human to another human, I simply said, I'm so sorry about what happened in your town. Yes. Right? Yes. And so the, and I also just acknowledged to the author, I'm like, thank you for writing this article, right? Yeah. So the person comes back that I was just expressing my compassion mm. for. Mm. Yeah. Well, let's take it, a, let's take it out of my town. This, something else happened in this other country. And do you think that some blokes at the, at the pub would take care of this? No, we need police for these kind of things. And I was like, I haven't read the article. I don't even have a position on defunding the police. 
I was just expressing my compassion for you as a human being. Yeah. But let's not mix and match what's going on. Yeah. Right? Because like something that happens in another country and something that happens in this country is not really the same thing. And clearly, you know, it sounds like the other thing was way more grave. And yeah, sure, you need police for that. Yeah. So then he comes back with more, just drilling, drilling into me on the same uh -huh. thing. And so then I said, I'm thinking to myself, this dude is the founder of Humans First. What is going on right now? Yeah. Yeah. Good. Right? Ah, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, you must know. I right? I decided, yeah. okay, here we go. I'm going to repeat. I haven't read the article. I don't even know what she's talking about. You're mixing and matching stuff. And I said, and I have to say, are you assuming that because I'm a black woman, I have a position on this topic? Because I don't speak on stuff I haven't researched. Yeah. I said, if I were not black, would you be asking me all these questions? I said, I'm just saying to you as a human, I feel compassion for you because I'm sorry what happened in your town. Can you say thank you? Yeah, yeah. I said, I, I said, I know that you're the founder of the Humans First community. And I haven't attended enough meetings to know whether or not that's just a concept or a core belief. Yes, yeah. But I, and, and so then I sent him a private message and I was like, I know I must be missing something. Let's hop on a call and resolve, resolve this. Yeah. So on the thread, he, and I'll tell you that the, the, it's a great ending to the story. On the thread, yes. he's like, I've overstepped my boundaries. I'm so sorry, da, 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 da. So he called me. Yeah. And we talked and he was like crying. And he's like, I'm oh. so sorry. I have just, I, I'm still growing into the person I need to be to run you know, to, to, to uh, facilitate this vision that I have. Yes. And my interaction with you might have just jeopardized it, that. And I said, well, let's see how this conversation goes and what we can do to come to some kind of solution. Yes. And he says, do you want me to delete the conversation? I said, no. I said, because you're a leader of a very large, you know, vision. Yes. And you need to show what it looks like when you admit that you're wrong and then you take the 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 proper steps to resolve that issue yeah i said so let's talk and he's like well i want to talk about you tell me about who you are and what you're up to in the world you know and so we had just like for 40 minutes getting to know each other and he was like so how did i mean how were you feeling when you read the thing and i was like you know i was actually trembling that's when i realized i was having a physical response to your words and generally i don't yes you know and so he was like you know, so he found out that i converted to islam i'm married to someone from bangladesh yep. you know my family i come from a family of missionaries actually well, and you know yeah. like fourth generation educated black people in this in this country and you yeah. know native american as well yeah and he was like if anybody's equipped to have this conversation you are and then he told me about a, a new project that he's working on which is called hue man human truly human stories well, so he's going to interview me on his podcast um yes. and we're probably going to talk about that <laughs> Fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So I'm sharing that story, not only, you know, because I'm probably going to have that more public yes. <laughs> um, conversation about it with him, but to tell black people and white people, stand up for your values. 
yeah. right? And just because you stand up for your values and you and you uh, misstep with each other, it doesn't mean that you can't come out compassionate and victorious with each other. Exactly. It, it doesn't have to go to blows. We're humans, right? Yep. And, and yes, I leaned into my emotions. He leaned into his emotions and something beautiful surfaced. Yeah. But we have to give each other, you know, that if you're capable, yes. like going back to the self-forgiveness, if you're capable of forgiving yourself, guess what? It's not a leap to forgive somebody else. Absolutely not. Absolutely. And so that's what happened. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, it, it is. We all have, uh, we all have our, a separate reality. This is how we're designed. Uh, we, not, none of us, no matter how much we try and communicate as to be understood and to understand, we each have our own unique way of seeing the world. And uh, sometimes we get stuck in in that and not sit and not realizing that others do see things differently and that's that's just how it sometimes works and that's where the forgiveness comes absolutely and it's, and it's wonderful that you point that out because yeah I, I guess I, and, and to be forgiving because yeah I realized that I I I was talking I think yesterday I posted about um, about some oppression that I'd, I'd seen uh, publicly being spoken about um, in regards to uh, a convert uh, woman, trans woman, um, and uh, a, a lot of conversation being had that was quite um, was mocking, which is again against our our faith uh, to do that. Uh, and it just happened that the group of people doing that mocking were. Um, um, black women um, from various spots around uh, America and by highlighting this um, concern that I saw uh, found my I had erroneously uh, conflated to two issues um, and then f then found uh, that uh, that conversation that post indeed did uh, create a, a, a negative emotional experience in, in a couple of lovely women um, of color that, that are connected to me. And then having a very similar conversation uh, as you were just talking about to really sort of, you know, apologize to be, make clear to, to see where there could be a opportunity to, to do better. And we need those conversations. We need that humility to be able to do that. Absolutely. You know, and yeah. thank, you, thank you for your giving me this opportunity to talk to me and talk to us about all these really important issues on being able to hear each other so that we can have uh, a more harmonious world. Yeah. It's so, it's so important that we not forget. I know that we've been locked in our houses for a long time and we haven't been having lots of hugs and kisses and all that. But that doesn't make it, that doesn't make it, um, you know, impossible to um, still reach for a human connection through a phone call, you know? Exactly. If it's getting a little bit over the top um, online, then it just means like something's not being, uh, something's missing in translation. Because like, that's what yeah. I offered. I was like, look, yes. I know I'm missing something, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, and then even when we got on the phone, I was like, you know, 
I just want to take my responsibility in this because you clearly had a position on the article, um, but I did not because I hadn't read the article and I said maybe I should have been more clear from the beginning that I hadn't read the article. And he said, nope, you have no reason to explain yourself or apologize. Um, it wouldn't have mattered because I was so stuck in my philosophy about yeah. defunding that I wouldn't have seen it. And you see? Wow. Oh, yeah, fabulous. Exactly. And that's exactly what happens. In, you get stuck just you like you. Stuck you got in stuck own, in your own point in that own you point. can't. And, and, we don't, and not listen and not. Not reading from the heart, but but listening from the intellect. And when we do that, from our ego thinking, we do that to, uh, you know, prove or disprove what's already in our head. Yep. Yeah. Well, um, we're coming very close to the end of our podcast. I guess I would love to hear about what is uh, on on your schedule and in facilitating women to be the best that they can uh, for the rest of 2020 and beyond and maybe uh, what the one uh, one uh, thing that you'd like to leave us with for the day to be more productive and positive yeah so actually we're recording this on my Saturday I know it's your Sunday yes um, but uh, this is called self-nurturing Saturday so um, always take some time to have peace and love in your heart just for you like you don't have to go out and and try and make anybody else have peace just you whatever it is that gives you peace and love in your heart do that and um, as for my vision for the rest of 2020 I you know there's two places I would invite you to. My website, which is my name, CordeliaGafar.com, and the other place is my Replenish Me group on Facebook. And um, I am also launching a membership, which I'm super excited about, because I decided I wanna help people with the work I do, right? So there are people that they wanna work with me, but they can't afford it right to work with me one-on-one -on -one or even as a group so with this membership it's really accessible it's $99 a month yep. and they have access to me in a group the best part the better part is yep. that 20% of it goes to support my friend's organization she Phoenix Femme Phoenix and she advocates for teen moms in South Africa Wow. So yes. I really just wanted to have a way to sustainably support her organization. Yep. And so why not help women on this end and the women of the future on the other end? Wow, that is fabulous. May, may that flourish. Absolutely for everyone involved. That is really exciting. Yeah, yeah I'm super excited about it. Yay. So, yeah. well, we look forward to seeing <laughs> that launch very soon yes yes oh thank you so much for joining me today and i'm feeling like oh gosh podcast you know best podcast of the year wow um for you <laughs> um, a little bit nervous but um no thank you so much for joining me and giving me your your very precious time and your wisdom and for the listeners please check all the wonderful places that you can find Cordelia and uh, look out for the launch of her membership 
program as well. Well, that's the end. So thank you very much for joining us uh, for Black Women's Stories Matter and have a fabulous rest of your evening. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Thank you, listeners. Take care. Bye. Thank you.